Hello everyone, this is Pastor Mark and welcome to today's episode of our Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast. It it is random, I will tell you. Today it's going to be random thoughts, but I'm feeling a little pressure because I got to compete with what Brian pulled off for the last episode. I mean, holy cow, he had music. He had, you know, four different moms that he was talking to. And I mean, holy, how do I even come close to uh, competing with that? So I was trying to figure out, okay, um, where do I want to go with uh, today's episode? And I will say this, I am going to uh, look for some dads to get their perspective. So get ready. There will be a future episode that's going to be kind of a dad's perspective on Christmas as well. But I thought, you know, I could put some Christmas music on in the background, and I'm going to share with you guys a few random thoughts and some stories that uh, I don't think I've told before, and uh, but also with some challenges attached to it as we are in the midst of COVID, and we're in the midst of a pandemic, and we're trying to figure out how to do Christmas in different ways because we're not going to be able to see each other. So let me give you a couple uh, random thoughts or Actually, this idea, this concept, if you will, comes from a friend of ours by the name of Susie, who has kind of had it up to here with the whole mask thing, even though, you know, we know the impact. I don't want to get into the whole controversy, if there even is one, as to whether masks work or not. But just having to wear the mask is add a layer to everything. And so she decided this year that for her Christmas tree, she has decorated her Christmas tree with masks. That's all it is, Christmas lights and all different kinds of masks. And now her family has kind of started to get involved and everybody's finding a different color, a different look, a different thing that's on a mask. And I thought that was just hilarious. I thought, you know what, let's just embrace this. It's called embracing the pandemic, if you will, and how can we do some things differently. So here we are. Here we go, folks. So there you go. There's a million dollar, or you may say one of the worst ideas ever, but uh, you might want to throw some mass on your Christmas tree. But um, let me take you into my first story or the first thing that God put on my heart to share in, uh, in this podcast. And that has to do with the journey now that my wife and I have just been through. Um, obviously, as many of you are aware, um, we ended up having to be out in Phoenix for almost a month dealing with a couple of things, but the, the primary was uh, when I was hit in a uh, hit and run accident in the midst of a, a crosswalk and a car went through a red light and um, uh, crashed right into me. All I saw was the headlight and the next thing you know, I'm into the windshield and over the hood and, and, and or I should say over the roof and off the back and then uh, and then lying on the ground and um, next thing you know we're in the ER and three days at hospitals and and um, broken ribs all sorts of pain and and uh, injuries and so forth but what started happening over the next few days and weeks and has continued now almost I mean we're three weeks later is cards I cannot believe the number of cards that we have gotten. And I'm just gonna be honest with you, we don't do cards well anymore. I remember my mom, I remember at Christmas time, all the cards 
that she would get at Christmas time. And remember putting together letters, the family letter to go out inside of a card that we would then send out. And everybody was sending cards to and from with their letters and their pictures of their families and their updates. And I remember always looking at our letter and saying, was my was the paragraph about me bigger than the paragraph about each one of my sisters? We we're always kind of comparing to then see who who are they proudest of, um, based on how big the paragraph was about each one of us. So, the famous Christmas cards and and letters that would go out. But you know, today we don't do cards. We don't do letters. Um, and in fact, getting all those cards. Um, after my injury was just kind of overwhelming. And it was just, I will say, nothing against getting a email or getting a text or, or getting a, a, somebody to post something on Facebook, you know, on that. Those are all fantastic and they all mean a lot. They have their own meaning in their own ways. But there is just something about a letter and a card, I should say, that's that combination, you know, whether it be in a card, writ, written in a card or a letter attached. And it just goes a little deeper, has a little more significance to it, and has a lasting impact that's a little different as well. And I want to talk to you a little bit, share a story with you guys about that as to the impact of a, a letter can have. Because um, when we uh, <laughs> moved to California, one of, one of the keys in today's world is trying to stay connected from a distance, right? And trying to stay connected without physically being next to each other. That's a new reality as a result of this pandemic. And it's one of the struggles that many grandparents face with their grandchildren. Because a lot of times distance becomes a reality where they were living close to one another. But now they live 500 miles apart, 1,000, 2,000 miles apart. That that became a truth for, for my parents uh, and Maria's parents when we decided to leave Minnesota and go out to California and become a senior pastor out there and took a call to a great church out there in Ventura, California. But all of a sudden now there's 2,000 miles of distance and our daughter was around seven at the time. And she was the only grandchild at the time on both sides. And so we were not popular in our uh, either side of our family for, for doing that. I mean, they were fine with us going, just to, just don't take our kid. But, um, but now distance was a reality. And I remember that, you know, uh, my mom was diligent in making sure that she was not going to let distance um, stop her from having a relationship with, with her granddaughter. And so she first utilized technology to the very best that she could. I, I remember that she started um, with, you know, learning about this thing called texting back in the day. So my daughter's 25 now, so this will date me a little bit. But I remember when our daughter, we gave our daughter finally, I, I would guess around 10 years old or so, give or take, maybe 11 or 12, she got her first cell phone and and with the ability to text and oh that was such a big deal and uh, so then my mom god bless her who only had a flip phone at the time went down to the verizon store and said okay here's the deal my daughter or my granddaughter is into something called texting i need a phone and and you need to show me how to do that and so she they set her up with whatever phone and that she needed and showed her how to do it and then I'll never forget, my daughter would come running to me and she's like, hey, dad, just got another text from Nana. 
let's try to figure it out because like every other letter was wrong. It was like deciphering code because my mom still didn't know what she was doing, but she was trying and then spell check would always mess her up and all these things and she'd get frustrated. But, but then she just did this, she got into it. And so then my daughter and her started texting and they stayed connected that way. But then eventually, you know, a couple years later, the way it is with girls and, and teen, teen girls especially, was my daughter started to kind of get bored with the whole texting thing and, and started to get into Facebook. So then I had to call my mom and say, Mom, I know she's not responding to you as much. Well, and even before that, sorry, I forgot to back up. Before that, it was just my mom, once my daughter had her own cell phone, started calling her and um, would pretty much call every Sunday. And it was, you know, and she'd keep trying until eventually she'd get her. And we would just say, oh, Malin, here's your Sunday fun day call with Nana. And so, and my daughter would take her phone and go running back to her room. And and we wouldn't see her for the next half hour, 40 minutes or so while they would talk and, and giggle and laugh. And I would just hear, and so my mom would just use a cell phone. And then, then it was texting. And, okay, she doesn't like to talk on the phone now, mom. So can you, can you start texting her? And so she, like I said, learned the whole texting thing and started doing that. And then of course, as things progressed, then my daughter got out of doing that and got into Facebook. So then I had to say, Mom, you know, she's kind of not into the whole texting thing anymore. Um, she's got a Facebook page now, but now you can see pictures and all sorts of different stuff that she's involved in and doing and this and that. And so my mom somehow misunderstood what I was saying, but she called the cable company. Um, not really sure how she thought they were going to and had them come out and lives in a small town my mom does and lives, we're always living here in cross lake for those of you that are from here and so and a lot of you know that you know when you call they they come and so a person from cross lake communication shows up and says how can i help you and my mom goes okay my my i need to know how to do facebook and a guy kind of looks at her strange and said you know i'm with the cable company right and she goes yeah and she goes i just need to know how to do facebook he goes well that's not really what we do um but my mom was two things. She was sweet and she was stubborn. And so the guy knew that he was, she was just so sweet. He couldn't say no. And she was also stubborn. And so he knew he wasn't going to get out of there until he showed her. So back to the computer, they went and he got her set up. And, and so then the next thing you know, my daughter's running to me saying, guess what, dad? Um, guess who just friended me on Facebook? I was like, no way. And yeah, Nana, Nana friended me on Facebook. And so then for a while, my my mom got into that and tried her best at that. But then my daughter started to move over into whatever it was next, whether it be Instagram or I don't remember, whichever it was next. And my mom then just decided like, okay, um, she went back to what she did well, what she grew up doing and what she had always done her whole life long. And she started writing letters. And sometimes it would be a letter inside of a card. Sometimes it would be a card just, but then she would fill the whole card with a letter that she would write. And she would send my daughter letters. And um, little did I know, and little did we know, that in the next, the next year, or so may as a year and a half later, after my mom started sending letters, um, that my mom would be killed in a car accident. And obviously a very devastating loss, and you're trying to figure that all out. And we go back to California, pretty broken after after the funeral, and and um, kind of not certain as to what uh, this meant. And but through it, uh, God worked, and to then 
call us. My daughter got accepted. It was She was going into her senior year in high school back there in California. And during that time, she got accepted in the University of Minnesota to pursue nursing. And so she decided she wanted to take that and come to the U of M. And so we thought, well, there's no reason for us to stay in California then. So my mom's house was available. So talked to our sister, my sisters, and and they thought it'd be great. And so we, we, did, we started plans to move back to Cross Lake and to live here. And um, so my daughter, and then my daughter would go to school. And um, so that whole year was about selling a house in California. Um, and when we did, uh, we had to first pack up everything and then put it into a storage unit before we'd be moving here to Minnesota. And I remember going into um, my daughter's room and, and she'd gotten things well into boxes and so forth. We were kind of to her room to move that stuff out. And then when we went to the dresser uh, to, um, to move that, well, you go to, she didn't know this, but you take the drawers out first. So then I, as I was taking one of the drawers out, what did I see there? But I saw the letters from Nana and she had kept them and they were on the very top of her drawer and it never said anything to my daughter about them but i will never forget that that she had those letters from nana about six months later we moved back to minnesota we um, have the summer here and then it's off to college for my daughter and we load up the truck with way too much stuff because i mean i had forgotten how small dorm rooms were at the university of minnesota and she was ended up with two roommates and so that made it even tighter for them and so we had way too much stuff and we thought we had these envisioned this you know wonderful time unpacking wonderful time setting up our dorm room having a very beautiful moment where we would you know have a tearful goodbye and get her all set up that never happened it was chaos it was nothing but chaos all three families trying to put stuff into a small little dorm room and three girls don't know each other and everyone is just awkward and uncomfortable and too much stuff and it was just like the best thing we could do we got like our daughter said i think the best thing we could do is just get out of here and she's like yeah and so we just okay see ya bye that was about all we had time for and we were we were off and we were gone and um but a little later uh, i think it was yet that same night um could have been the next day but i remember my wife getting a picture um of the, my daughter's area I can't even call it her room because she was sharing it with somebody else so her but she had the lower bunk of the two um and she had a above where her pillow would be so she had it was really cute she had everything you know her bed made with the quilt we had gotten her and the pillowcase and just the things that people had gotten for and everything was just kind of spread out there nicely and just looked like our kid like she decorated herself you could see that she'd put her own taste into it it was just kind of a, so I was like oh that looks so cool but my but my wife said well but but do you see and I'm like do I see what do you mean what do I see do I see what I say yeah it's cute it looks great she goes no look now above her pillow um kind of in the area on the wall there um, there was a place where you, I don't know, tack board or whatever you call that. And, um, and there were some things that were up there. I said, yeah, there's some things. This and, but then my wife zoomed in, um, and then I saw it for the first time hanging on that pinup board 
above my daughter where she'd be sleeping every night was one of the letters from Nana. And that's when it just hit me that, wow, uh, the influence my mom was still having in my daughter's life and it would, it would never stop. But boy, was I thankful my mom wrote letters. I still have a few cards that my mom sent me and she'd always send me a card on birthday, Christmas time. I still have some of my dad's sermons that he wrote, handwritten and so forth. And those are like letters as well. They're not directed to me, but but all to say that you know, we live in a time where the pandemic has us where we can't see each other, or maybe be in living rooms together, or exchanging gifts like we want to, or having some of the same memory-making moments out in the yard, making snowmen, doing, doing stuff together. I mean, everybody's going to have to make their own choices on that, and they will. But I felt like God put this one first random thought on my mind is to say there is power in a letter. There is power in a card. And I want us to think beyond our own family. Um, sending a card to maybe people we haven't seen in a while. Talked to in a while because life got too busy. Um, that were meaningful in our lives. Um, and to maybe even go back to writing that family letter, right? And giving an update and sending it out. I remember my wife used to have, uh, she'd hang like a long piece of string and then had those little clips that you use to hang up laundry with. Um, and she would put the cards that we would get on those uh, pieces of rope. And that would be a decorative thing somewhere in our house. I remember there was like four or five pieces of rope that were all like six feet long that all had cards on them. Now, boy, I'd be that'd be probably a short two-foot piece of rope with two cards because just we just don't do cards anymore. But um, maybe we should get back to that. Maybe we should get back to writing Christmas letters and sending cards uh, to encourage one another. I remember sharing that story at a parenting event uh, about the power of cards, where it was actually a grandparenting event that I was doing down in Texas. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor Mark, you are so right that there is power in a letter. They said, we, this was probably someone that was in their 40s or 50s. And they said, our grandpa would always send us at least, it was about, they said, we can't remember now, but probably once every two weeks or so, but maybe it was every week. But they said it was somewhere in there that they would, we would get a letter and it would either on the outside say, Grandpa says... Or she said, you know, the letter would be addressed to us. And then on the back side, it would either say grandpa says dot, dot, dot. Or it would say grandpa remembers dot, dot, dot. And they said, we knew that, oh, this is another grandpa says letter. Or it's a grandpa remembers letter. And they said when they would open it, if it was grandpa says, it would be something that he'd be saying about a certain topic. Here's what grandpa says about courage. Here's what grandpa says about trust. Here's what grandpa says about hope. Here's what Grandpa says on a variety of different things. But then, um, they said then the Grandpa remembers letters. Those always were memories, stories that he would be sharing with us. Grandpa remembers when. 
the phone used to have this dial that would spin. Grandpa remembers when the television didn't used to have a remote and you had to get up and go click it on and off and only had a few channels or whatever it would be. And, and it would, they, would, they said it would just give us something funny to talk about and be like, seriously, we didn't know that. And it was a way they stayed connected. And get this, this family said, well, you know what we did? We took those because our grandpa passed and we took those Grandpa Remembers letter and it turned into a book that we have for our family called the Grandpa Remembers book. And then we have the, the or I should say the Papa Remembers. And then they said, we have the Papa Says book. And we are now passing it on to our grandkids and sharing those stories and reading those stories to our to our kids, which would be his great grandkids. Oh my goodness. We can do that, folks. There are things that we can do to stay connected, share stories in new and different ways. So there's a random thought for you um, that I have. And um That'll help you in the midst of this pandemic. And I'm going to share one more, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. Um, sorry, this isn't quite the same as, you know, having four ladies all telling their, their stories. But let me give you one more that, that always struck me. And I'm always torn which way to go here. I've got a few in front of me, but I wonder which, which way I want to go. I'm going to go this way. Probably the most popular story I heard... Are, Popular is probably the wrong word. The one I re remember always stuck with me. Um, I may have used it a time or two in a sermon, and if I haven't, I will. And, I, and when I do share it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, you already, you've already shared that one. But it's a story I remember hearing when I was sitting by a campfire. And I really didn't like the church. I was probably uh, a high schooler. I thought church was so boring, so irrelevant, so disconnected. I thought camp was cool. Church was boring. I mean, and I really just was down on the whole thing. Why do we need church? Why do we need to go to church? I mean, my goodness, you know, you just go, you dress the part, act the part, behave the part for an hour, and then you just get out. And I just, I wasn't into it. I was really starting to be anti-church um, and then I'll never forget, and I think this was, there was a bunch of us that were high schoolers that were sitting by the campfire, and we had this speaker that was there for us, and, um, and I'll never forget when um, he started his talk, and he said this, um, so, you know, there was a new pastor that started at a new church. It was a young guy. Had never been a pastor before, and this was his first church. And so he's kind of getting to know the people slowly and finding out. Not a very big church, so he gets to know pretty much. He, and then he goes through this little membership book that they have and because he's trying to kind of make sure he knows the names of everybody and can put the faces with the names. And so he's doing that and getting to know everybody. But then he notices there's one guy that... He sees that was a member, but he hasn't seen him in church. And so he goes to his secretary and says, um, question, you know, I've got, I'm starting to get to know pretty, I think I've got to know just about everybody and get to know their names and so forth. And there's this one guy here. Um, I haven't seen him. And she goes, oh, pastor, don't, don't, don't worry about him. Don't, 
no, um, that's yeah, that's that's it's it's a story. He used to be super involved here. In fact, he was in leadership here and came every week. And but um, no, he's uh, he's not here anymore. And uh, he goes, oh, did did something happen? And she goes, well, it wasn't anything real specific, but you know, he just kind of got a little disgruntled and frustrated and and with church and some of the stuff that goes on and so he just quit coming and so she goes and you won't yet because well does he still live in town or did he leave the area does he go to another church oh no he doesn't go to another church and then <laughs> i don't think he'll ever go to a church and she goes and he he does still live in town and does lives in the same place and so forth so he's like oh so this address that we have for him is still the same address oh yeah that's his address and she goes but i wouldn't recommend you know going out there doing anything and goes well okay appreciate that but you know being young and naive this pastor decided you know what not out anything and so he went driving down the road and the guy lived out on a farm and he pulled up to this small little farmhouse and, and uh as he did the dog barked and and uh came to his car and, and so then a guy inside the house comes out and says can i help you he's kind of gruff and it wasn't really rude, but he wasn't certainly very warm or welcoming. And the guy introduces himself as I'm, I'm the new pastor at uh, Name the Church. And the guy goes, okay, well, that's great. You can say you came out and met me. You can say you came out and saw me. You did your job. Good for you. But now you can just get back in your car and just, just mosey on home because I don't really want to talk to you. And the pastor just said, okay, and he starts petting his dog and he goes, you know, I get that, and that, that's fine. I was really just hoping I can get a glass of water. I've been out visiting people, and you were kind of my last stop, and a little thirsty, and and the guy kind of grumbled and looked at him and said, "Well, if you need a glass of water, just come on in. I can get you a glass of water. That'd be great," the pastor said. So came walking up. The dog came with him, and he went in the house and, and so then uh he goes goes over and he gets his the guy gets him here's your here's your glass of water and he's like okay um boy it's a nice little place you got here and he's like yeah appreciate that been in the family for a while said, okay there's a fire going in the fireplace and so then the pastor moseys over to the fireplace and wow it's a nice fire you got going there and you don't see a lot of places with wood burning wood burners like that anymore. Yeah, I know, but that's I've had that's where our family's been all time I've lived here. Well, that's great. So, could you tell me a little bit about church and your experience with that? And so, so the guy starts saying, "Okay, I don't really want to talk about that, and I know you're just doing your job, pastor." And he starts kind of answering, but as he does, the pastor starts grabs the pokers for the fire and the fire for the firewood inside the fire and he, he starts poking around so the, the guy kind of notices him poking at the wood and but just kind of keeps saying okay you know i just kind of got frustrated with the people there i got hurt by some things i was in leadership and you know this that and the other thing and so i'm just kind of done i don't want to cause i don't want to cause a ruckus just, just just and so then the pastor keeps poking then the pastor goes and grabs the pokers where you can grab a log out of the fire and he takes a log from the fire and he sets it outside the fireplace on the mantle. Not gonna start, didn't set it on the carpet or anything like that, or on the wood floor, just put it on the mantle there, on the, on the brick that was down there, but outside the fire. 
So then the, the man just kind of goes quiet, and the pastor goes quiet. Pastor doesn't say anything, takes a sip of water, and they watch this log. And they just stare, and the pastor just stares at this log. So then the man starts staring at the log, and the log just, that was burning bright inside the fire, is now starting to smolder. And it smolders some more, and it starts to smoke, and pastor says nothing. The man says nothing. So then after a couple minutes of kind of awkward silence, now that piece of wood pretty much starts to die. Completely out, no fire anymore on it. Pastor doesn't say anything. Takes another sip of water. Then eventually the pastor grabs that, takes the pokers, grabs that piece of wood, throws it back on the fire. Then, then they watch it, and it just takes off again, starts burning again. Pastor says, thank you for the glass of water, sir. I'll be on my way. The next Sunday, that man was in church. Like the story goes, husband and wife get in a car, and the wife says to the husband, I remember when we used to sit right next to each other and used to hold hands, and we used to, I used to sit right there next to you and almost on your lap, arm around you, you put your arm around me. I remember when we used to do that. To which the husband responds, yeah, I do too. And I never moved. Friends, we serve a God that's never moved. And he's given us his church as a place where, whether we think so or not, we need it. Because without it, our flame's going to burn out. We need each other. We need community. It needs to be a place where we send cards to one another, letters to one another, love on one another, forgive one another, laugh with one another. And at a time when the pandemic has us separated, how about we now take some time to send cards and letters to one another and say, I miss you. And I look forward to the day when we're going to be back together again, worshiping together again. So friends, those are my random thoughts for today. A couple of stories, a couple of random thoughts with some Christmas music behind it. Hope it was a blessing to you. May the Lord continue to bless you. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. God bless. Him.